Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Book Talk with Kara, and I'm delighted today to introduce you to my friend, T.I. Lowe, and we're going to talk about her brand new book, Indigo Isle, which I have loved so much. If you like Southern fiction, a little bit of women's fiction, romance, it's got all of that. And having been to Charleston, I really enjoyed jumping back to that location and uh, just really being embroiled in this warm story, but that has real characters and just, I don't know, I was really swept away by it, T.I. And I thought we could start by you introducing yourself quickly, and then we'll jump right into talking about the book. Okay, well, yeah, well I'm going to start by saying thank you for having me here. Um, I'm just a, a Southern storyteller, I like to tell people. I like I like to tell stories and um I speak how I write how I speak so it's it's just to me it's a conversation in, in my books and I've written I've been writing for the past uh let's see nine years now yeah nine <laughs> it's hard to keep up with it isn't it with um it especially since the pandemic it's like you have pre-pandemic post-pandemic and I can't keep my timeline straight anymore uh, so I guess it's okay with our author. We can kind of fudge those things, right? <laughs> we can't remember right off the bat. But, um, it's about this long, yeah. about this many books. Sort of, yeah. But I enjoy writing Southern fiction. Um, it's all about, you know, um, traditions and culture of the South, low country. And my latest book, Indigo Isle, is set in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, just as you said, you enjoyed visiting there, and it's probably about two hours down the road from me, and it's one of my favorite places to visit. It just has so much charm, and uh, you can just walk down the streets in Charleston, and a story will come to mind, and so that's where Indigo Isle, my latest, isn't that, that cover is gorgeous, I do believe, and it's I love it. the Indigo dyed fabric. Yes. <laughs> it shows up so much better in living color than on my Kindle cover. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's my southern take on Prodigal Daughter meets Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And, and I love that because I picked up on it so quickly. I was like, oh my gosh, these are, it definitely has that Beauty and the Beast feel, but mm -hmm. then it also has so much more to it. So mm -hmm. how did you take those two elements and say, I'm going to put them together and they're going to have this book baby. <laughs> uh, just by chance and look, I guess. Uh, so the prodigal daughter or the prodigal son is like one of my favorite parables of the um, in the Bible that Jesus shared. And I don't know about you, but as an author, um, when you you're given a story and but you don't get all the pieces of it, um, you sort of start making up your own version of what could happen. And my, my thing that always intrigued me was the um, prodigal son and then how how it came about where the obedient son, how maybe they interacted after the fact, you know, if they reconciled, if they just bashed it out and like, you know, went at it 
but um, I wanted to explore that in the sense of, you know, the female dynamics of a family. So you got the, the mother, the prodigal daughter, and then you have the two obedient sisters. And so it was pretty fun to get to um, see how they would respond to the prodigal daughter coming back. And so all, you know, all that reconciliation. And then um, Beauty and the Beast, I don't know about you, but that's my favorite fairy tale. And because the hero is flawed. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like I like a wounded hero, so to speak. And so um, my beast in Indigo Isle is, he's the monster of Indigo Isle. That's what the locals call him. He's a recluse out there. Uh, he's, you know, the world, the life, you know, he's life experiences have scarred him. So he's pretty much just, excluded himself away from the world and Sunny she's my leading lady of the book she she comes back and work brings her close to home and so she ends up going out to explore this island and she butts heads with the beast out there so that's where it all it all came came about but what I love is you've got these two characters the hero and the heroine and they're both wounded they're both scarred by things that have happened and yet she kind of keeps fighting and keeps pushing and keeps moving forward and he's kind of frozen in time um and so it's this really interesting juxtaposition of we kind of have a choice because everybody's going to have a moment in time where something's going to happen to us and we get to choose what our response is going to be are we going to be like Sunny and just kind of keep pushing forward, are we going to choose to be like the monster, the beast, and just kind of get stuck and frozen? Because we all have scars. It's yep. just a question of, you know, his are very visible, but hers are also visible in how she is responding to people, but not physical. And mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, was that intentional or was mm -hmm. it something that as you were writing, you started to realize, oh, these characters both are having similar I guess the responses to things or scars, but they're kind of different sides of the coin of, of what, how we respond to that. I am um, a pantser. I don't plot out a story because I, I like to be able to um, let the story tell me how it's going to go as it goes along. And it, um, it was wild how the prodigal daughter story really uh, just, it meshed with the beast story. And as you said, they both had things they were running from and things that uh, they were hiding from. They had their scars of life internally, externally. And it just, it just, it's amazing how that just happens sometimes and how it'll, you're, you're in the middle of writing, you're like, oh, so these, this, these two things go together. <laughs> how that happen? <laughs> exactly. You plot, you plot or are you, are you a pantser? You know, normally I started as a plotter because my publishers required that. Mm -hmm. And then I became more of a cancer. And the book I'm writing right now, I'm definitely a plotter because I've got to write it really fast. And so I've got these very detailed outline and it's going so fast because I've, I've written, I've thought about everything that's happening. And uh -huh. I'm like, oh, I've forgotten how nice it is to have the really detailed outline. And so I'm, I'm kind of playing with the maybe I need to go back to being more of a plotter because I, I can do either. I really can do either. But it really is kind of that function of when am I going to do the work? When am I going to do the discovery? Do I do it kind of sitting there beating my head against the wall before I start writing? Or do I do it beating my head against the wall, staring at my computer screen going, why won't the words come? Because I don't know 
you know, what's next or whatever. So when you say that you're a pantser, but mm-hmm. you also had at least kind of these germs of an idea. How does that, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to have the prodigal daughter and I'm going to have the beauty and the beast. How do you go from that to this rich story? Well, I, I loosely plot and that, but I give myself um, freedom. If, if it needs to change, it can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't, I can't think of an example right off the bat, but definitely things changed as the story went along. Um, you know, so I, I give myself the permission to detour and take different roads away from the outline. But yeah, you just have a, an idea of where it's coming from. I don't know what you, but um, I love this quote and I don't know where it come from, but I quote, I, I probably misquote it a lot, but um, it's, I don't write to be understood. I write to understand. And mm-hmm. so there's always a, a, a topic or something that intrigues me that I want to know a little bit more about. And then in, in this one, it um it dealt with you know the whole prey and predator uh you know the instinct of either fight or flight flight or fight but there's also a a third one and that's freeze and sunny our leading lady of the story she deals with freezing and it looks a lot like permission which it is not permission and so um there's a lot of me too um ideas in there I wanted to understand better you know how a woman navigates that when she doesn't look like a victim but she is a victim and how she can find her voice and stand up against um those that are assaulting her so uh Sunny had a yeah it was that was so powerful because there is that you know we always think it is fight or flight Mm-hmm. But there is this element of some people do just freeze yeah. and we don't talk about that. So then we do think, oh, well, that's consent or they're okay with it. And that's not at all what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I thought you actually did a beautiful job of illustrating that in a way that wasn't, you know, token. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to throw this out there. But it was actually very honoring to people who have that but also helpful for people who don't, where we can go, oh, now I, I, I've kind of ex- experienced that through fiction to be more understanding or even to be able to see it and go, that's not okay. She's not actually okay with that. Maybe I need to intervene. But mm-hmm. when I've written a book like that, where it deals with those really hard issues, um, it's hard not to get like down in it and not get depressed or I mean you have to do a certain amount of research so that you do understand this is what it's like to be stuck in in this case that freeze kind of perspective you can't just be like oh I'm going to read about it and then that's it you have Mm -hmm. to kind of put yourself in that so how did you navigate that because that's not easy at least in my experience I have to be very intentional about other things I'm doing in my life so I don't kind of go down that rabbit hole and get stuck you really can if you don't be careful um there's heavy research days when it comes to these topics like um an indigo isle i've covered sexual assault um under the magnolias was mental health and there were some really dark days in there you're dealing with um people look at you know they're suicidal they're going through you know some of the darkest times of their life um and 
Um, I have a friend who says, uh, all right, today's the day to step because I'll tell her where I am. And, and I think it's important to have someone to talk to about, you know, a confidant. And um, she says, today's the day you need to step back from that story, that part of the story, and maybe focus on something else. And um, a way that I handle hard times in life is I crack jokes. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying I'm good at it. But um, and I, I probably do it the wrong times, but that I'm not a crier, a public, I don't uh, express that, you know, emotion in public. So instead of crying, I'll crack a crazy joke. So I always try to put a little bit of humor, um, some comic relief throughout the story. I feel like it's necessary to, because even the, you know, the readers, you got to give them a break from it too, but I need a break from the heavy. So you might find something silly in my books out of the, you well, know, it, the middle of it. Well, V was a great example of yeah. that. You know, she's this character who you're just like, oh my gosh, what crazy thing is she going to do next? And yet she was this foil, but she was also a reflection of mm -hmm. Sunny at the same time. So she wasn't just like, oh, I'm just comic relief. She was actually adding depth. So it was beautifully done, again, with her character as well. So you you started writing out of a hard place because your journey started when you were actually walking your mom through a really difficult journey. And how did you turn to writing? Because I think everybody, when they're in those hard spaces, we all have different ways that we process. You know, some of us shut down, some of us will turn to art, you turn to writing. How did you come to that? I mean, what, why wasn't it something else? Why was writing the place that you went when you were walking your mom through cancer? Mm -hmm. <sighs> You know how people say, when did you realize you were a writer? And um, honestly, I feel like we're born with it. You know, I felt like I was born a writer. I just suppressed it. I didn't explore it. I always, I was a closet writer. I didn't let anybody know that I, I was doing it. But um, at the time my mom was diagnosed with cancer, it just worked out where um, the good Lord let me take care of her. I was her caregiver. So we'd be sitting in chemo lab and um, I feel like I can share this now. My, my sister just passed in November, but, um, and I, I've never really shared much that it was her that we were discussing because, you know, it was her story to tell, but she's not here any longer. And I feel like I should tell her story, but she was in an abusive relationship. And I, me and mama were sitting in chemo lab and I said, I don't understand why she won't get out of it. And she says, Tanya, until you walk in those shoes and the abused woman, you'll never understand it. So I'm like, well, that weren't good enough for me. I wanted to understand. And so I just went and I started researching and uh, watching testimonials of women who had been in an abusive relationship and how they um, had to get out. And then there were, story, there were stories that I found where women didn't get out. And so I just started writing Lulu's Cafe. It wasn't, it was not to share it with anyone else. It was just me. As you said, it was my, my outlet to understand something. And um, it was, and then probably the most rewarding part of that book is I was able to give my main character a happy ending because so many women don't get that happy ending. And so that's, that's where it came from. And then um, I finished it and mama said, all right, you have to share it you need to share it. And I remember she told her hospice nurse that uh, she introduced me as a, uh, her daughter who was an author and uh, <laughs> and so it was, she made it hard for me to not pursue it and so it was a promise I made to her she passed away September of 2013 and then 
I self-published Lulu's Cafe 2014 in January, but as a promise to her. And I, I mean, I honestly, it was like, you know, it was checked off the list. I, I said I'd do it and I did it. And then just from there, just a, a whole bevy, bevy of stories have just come from that. And I've written, I've published uh, Indigo Owl being number 19 since then. So that's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, and it's. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the types of books you're writing where they're dealing with real life and they're dealing with the hard issues, those are hard to write because you do, you have to crawl in and you're, you're doing the research and you're exploring these hard topics and you're doing it in a way that's actually honoring the people who have lived that experience. Because sometimes we can just kind of sugarcoat it and be like, oh, this is what I think it's like. And that's not helpful to anybody. Um, and so I know for me, when I write stories that go in those places, it's really important to find people who either work with those populations or have come out the other side mm -hmm. so that they can just check and make sure, did all my research, did I get yeah. it right? Did I miss anything? Because I do want it to honor people who that is their experience. It, it's not that's mine. Yeah. I totally, every time I take on a hard topic like that, my goal is to respect those that are in that situation. I never want it to come off as um, being judgmental. I never want it, because we know Jesus was never, he was not judgmental. He, he, he loved everybody and he reached out to anyone that needed, um, you know, he, everybody that needed him. And it weren't just picking and choosing. It was for everyone. And so my idea is uh, if someone has gone through this experience that I wrote about that, you know, they're like, yeah, this, this is my story. And then if you've not, then, uh, you know, I hope it'll give people pause, like, you know, maybe I do need to um, respond in a different way. I need to be more understanding. So, yeah, it's, it, you have to, I've looked at, you know, you got to look at it from all I do as a writer. I want to look yep. at it from all all points of views and definitely respect whatever topic I take on because I'm not an authority on any of it, but I feel like you definitely need to do your research. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what sets apart people who are playing at writing stories and those who are writing the story. And that's a really important distinction. You know, are you really digging into it and getting into that space or are you just like, oh, I'm just going to go with what I know and it'll be good enough and it's fine. I'm not hurting anyone because you can actually really hurt people yeah. if you're not focused on getting it right. Um, I mean, I've even had to and I had, went on childhood sexual abuse. I intentionally wrote the prologue in a way that it would be a trigger warning for people um, so that they could know right away, this is not the book for me, even yeah. though everything was going to be way in the background. I just I didn't want to even take that risk. And mm -hmm. so that's something that I think everybody's going to pick a different way, but it's important just to honor people in that space. So you are from the South and yep. your books are set in the South. Mm -hmm. If you were going to write books set anywhere else, where would it be? Where would you pick? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, I know you. Um, I have such a distinct voice, I think. Um, if you read my books, you're gonna there's gonna be ain't and y'all. And it was funny, I 
my Swedish publisher, they did an interview and I was uh, talking with one of them over there and I said, well, how on, you know, in the South, we have our own language. How on earth did you translate um, my book in, in that different language? And I said, so tell me how you say y'all. And so she looked through the book and she came to a section that had y'all in it. And it sounded like a word that long just for a little y'all word. But um, I don't know that I could pull it off. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's, because there's a, a very Southern dialect and feel. And that's what I love because I grew up in Georgia and then lived in Virginia for a while. I was like, I'm immersed. This is real. And so when we hopped out, I was not surprised at all that I'm like, yep, you've got the Southern thing down because you've grown up with it. And it is you. Uh and that comes through versus people who, you know, if you're from Washington State and you're trying to write it, you may not get it right just by watching Sweet Home Alabama and, play, and things like that. And readers are smart. They'll call you out on it. Um, yeah. yeah, you'll read a review and they say, well, they didn't get the dialect right or they didn't know the area. And so, someone asked me one time if I, I would ever consider writing nonfiction. I was like, no. said, so, uh, yeah. you have to have, know your facts for that. With fiction, you can just make it all up. So no, mm -mm. I, I you yeah. in your lane, right? <laughs> that's right. Yep. And that's where even when I write historical, I write one time period because the amount of research yes. is daunting. I mean, people who pick different time periods all the time, like you go, not the thing I want to do at all. See, so, I love to read non. I love to read historical, but I, I'm too too nervous about ever trying to write it yeah and that's the same thing I love reading all kinds of genres so what's your favorite genre to read when you're like just trying to relax and get in uh, you know kind of fall into a good book what do you love to read <laughs> it may be surprising I love murder mysteries <laughs> Ooh, do you have I'm, a favorite author um no not not I mean I, I loved it I tell people People and books are similar. You need to give them all a try. I mean, yeah. it may not be for you, but you, you may miss out on something wonderful by not giving it a try. So um, right now I'm reading uh, Stephen King's Billy Summers. And it's about, okay. an <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but yeah, I, I read all over the place. And um, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite and it felt very southern to me was the extraordinary life of sam hill by oh. dugati yeah yeah I, I was oh man that was so good did you ever hear a book that um, people say if i could read it again for the first time that would be it it was so good mm -hmm. i have one of, i have a couple of his books on my kindle to read you know like uh -huh. i have bookshelves everywhere me in my too. house but but the Kindle, I'm like, it's daunting how many books are on here. But mm -hmm. that book of his, I keep hearing about. I'm going to have to just get it on an audiobook or something so I can actually dig in. Because um, mm -hmm. I'm always looking for new authors to try. And he spoke at ACFW. Uh, and I learned a lot from him. Uh -huh. But I still haven't read any of his books. So I need to change that. <laughs> Absolutely. Start with but that. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to get that. Although I haven't read Stephen King. Colleen Coble loves all his stuff. And I'm like, I just don't do horror. Well, see, that's my daughter said, have you heard about Billy Summers? I'm like, I don't do horror. And um, she's yeah. like, no, it's not horror. It's like suspense thriller. And I've started reading it and I can't put it down. It's really good. Today, okay, I, I love. 
yeah, I love suspense. I love a good mystery thriller. Um, I love them set all across time. Yes. But mm-hmm. I don't do YA that much, and I don't do sci-fi. I don't. It gets too outside. Uh-oh. It's sci-fi fantasy if it's not set in a world I can imagine. I'm too much of the attorney then. I'm like, I, I don't get it. My my left brain can't figure it out, I guess, or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is where that part comes out. But mm-hmm. yeah, the purple is my right brain coming out to play. The inability to imagine a world I haven't been to is, I guess, the left brain going, yep, nope, can't oh, do it. Look, so. it's your vote, though. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I have to tell y'all, if you have not read T.I. Lowe's books, you really should start with Indigo Isle. And I think really any of them you would enjoy, but I really couldn't put down Indigo Isle the moment I started reading it. And I was in the middle of writing this book, y'all, that I have to write like in two weeks. So to find time to read it was actually kind of a feat of will, but it was so good and really just swept me into an amazing story. So highly recommend it and it was just fun to have you on today so thanks so much for joining me thank you for inviting me yeah thanks so much if you enjoyed this conversation remember you can join us live on my facebook page on tuesday evenings at 8 30 p.m eastern standard time for the next conversation i'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform i love to hear from you so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com and you can also interact with me on facebook instagram or twitter And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in.